Alright, we are here in January of... It's 2017 now, guys. Yay, we made it! Yay! <laughs> uh, so made this, it is, this is behind the DM screen for January of 2017. We are three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out. We have Mike, Jeff, that's me, and Sam as usual. And we each put 15 minutes on the clock and talk about our games. So, does that cover it? I don't know, it's been like a month since we've done one of these. I'm rusty. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what, Mike? You said sure. You get to go first today. Fifteen, oh, min- 15 minutes on the clock. Go. Totally not ready. Um, so I've been running Storm King's Thunder. Um, I've finished up all my Curse of Strahd games, and now I'm running two groups through Storm King's Thunder. And uh, I got to say, I am not a fan of the design. Now that I'm in it deeply, um, I am not a fan of the design of the adventure. And it is way more work for me to turn this into the kind of adventure I want to run uh, than the past three hardback adventures. I think the last time I worked this hard to get an adventure you know, broke, broken into the way I wanted to use it was back in Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, which also had some, some parts of it I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of. So wait, wait, now i got to stop you. Is it because of the organization of the product, or is it the way that the the story is organized. Yeah, because I have a prediction, and, and based on what I said in the, my review of this product. So First of I'll, all, does this count towards my 15 minutes? I can, <laughs> I can pause if you want, but I want to hear. <laughs> you want me to pause? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, pause. Pause. Okay, paused. <laughs> so, we're paused. Tell us, about, tell us about your issue. Oh, I was waiting for your question. You said you had a prediction. Oh. Oh. So, so... My issue with Storm King's Thunder is that it seemed really story light. Like there wasn't a lot of connective tissue to take you from yeah. one scene to the yeah. other scene, and I imagined it would take a lot of effort by a DM to to make to build that and make that happen. Is that is that the issue you're running into? One of one of two. That's one of two problems I have. Um, kind of three, but I'll, but yeah. So one of them is yeah. That there's the seeds are really weak. And um, I kind of screwed up that my Wednesday group has turned into the prototype group. One of my two groups ends up being the prototype group and the other group gets the better time um, because I'll try something out in one group and then it sucks and then I tweak it and fix it. And then I do it for the other group and they're happier. Um, and the one thing, the one mistake I made was that uh, when they were done, I, I, I ran the first chapter. I ran the, the, the rumblings, I think it's called. And because I like starting at one and I wanted to go through it. And then we enjoyed all that. and It was great. And then they're kind of done dealing with the town. And uh, the guy comes up and gives him three quests. And all three of the quests were, hey, I want you to go talk to this guy. And they're like a thousand miles away. And just tell him that, like, his cat died. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you're like, and one of them was literally like, hey, I, this guy died. Can you go to Bryn Shander and tell him? And it's like Bryn Shander's like 2,000 miles away. Like, you, you know, you'll be level 20 by the time you pass that, that note on. So, um, so the, those, those see, all, all of the, the mistake was you're really only supposed to pick one, right? A DM should look at the three and say which one's good. And to me, like the whole Bryn Shander part of it is so far away when you're so low level. I don't know why anybody would ever want to send anybody. But that, but there's also that part where the adventure splits into three different locations. You can kind of pick your well, one. Well, that's one of the three. And that's right? one so of the three. So if you're going yeah. there anyway, yeah. Well, that, my point is that's the only thing that would take you there. Oh, right. Okay. So, Right. So, you know, there's no if you're sitting and, and, and you're in um, uh, Parnass, not, not, not Parnass, I don't remember the town you're in. Oh, um, 
uh, Blackstone, Stone Stolen, something like that. <laughs> um, the, 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 the opening hole. hook location. Downtown, yes. downtown yeah. known as the Hole in the Ground. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Nightstone. Ah, so, uh, yeah, Nightstone is like, a, you know, it's really far from from Bryn Shander. And the idea that the thing that will take you to Bryn Shander is, hey, could you go, you know, guy died and could you go tell his wife in Bryn Shander that it died? It's like, no, send an owl. You know, send figure out some other way to do it because I'm never going Whatever. <laughs> you know, find some magical <laughs> method to go tell him that shit because I'm not going yeah. 2,000 miles north through the freaking spine of the world to go tell somebody that they died. We will all die in the process. Who's going to go tell right. people that we died? So, uh, it, you know, the other ones weren't so bad because Golden Fields is not so far away and Tribor is not so far away. Well, and of the three, honestly, I thought the other two were probably more interesting locations anyway. So, yeah, the other, Right. The other part is like I've already just spent a whole campaign in Bryn Shander when I ran the Icewind Dale adventure. So mm. I didn't really want to even though I ran for a different group. I was like, well, I kind of did the I, I did Icewind Dale. And that seems like a, it's a good, cool place to run something. But it's a good, cool place on its own, not like as part of this big let's go all over the north. You know, because the north is so big and it's so mm-hmm. hard to kind of get places, you, you, you know. So that kind of gets to my second one, which is the lack of focus in the adventure overall. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, the, the seeds are weak and you kind of kind of come up with better seeds. And the seeds that I came up with that I like much better are um, I, I had each group decide on a central faction. Mm-hmm. So one picked the Harpers and the other group picked the Zinterim, which is awesome. Right. Now I got two totally different kind of campaigns. And uh, the should the I restart Zinterim- your time because you're talking about your game. Yeah, oh yeah, you should have. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Only pause it when you guys ask questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now uh, you got extra time. Awesome. So, uh, the so I got two different groups, they have their own factions and the faction quest givers are the ones that are really driving things. And for that, I picked Leosin Erlanthar, who's like the main Harper guy in Rise of, in Horde of the Dragon Queen, right. and Jemna Gleamsilver, who's the main Zinterim in Horde of the Dragon Queen. And that way, those players who played through those campaigns go, oh, it's Erlanthar, I remember this Is guy. She, does you she know. also make an appearance in Out of the Abyss? I, she, I think she might. Yeah, yeah I, th- she I think she's the one that shows up in the council. I never ran that part, yeah, but she's yeah. down there in Gothelgrim. Right. As the, as the, yeah. So yeah. I kind of made them sort of superhero-y, right? Like, like Jemna, Jemna's a gnome assassin, right? And I love the idea that when she walks around, like these big, huge, ugly, half-orc thugs all like mm-hmm. don't look her in the eye, right? And they're scared to death of her. And, you know, so I just, I kind of made her this sort of, you know, this thing. So this, you know, so I'm playing a lot with the factions and having a lot of fun with that. And I'm using plot drivers from them to say, you know, the giants are getting uppity and we don't know why. And we want you to figure out what's going on. And if you can try to figure out how to stop it, you know, and, and each for their own particular reasons, but that at least puts a stronger hook into why they have to go right. to these different places. Uh, then go tell somebody that somebody died. Uh, unfortunately it took me getting into the adventure before I realized it was going to need that. Um, the other major problem I have is that it chapter three, which I'm, which I'm into with my, with my Wednesday group um, is super, super thin it's wide and thin too and in my opinion too wide and too thin it's got like 125 locations with about 125 words of text for each one hmm. and you know to me far better would have been pick five or six or ten places and really fill them out and give me a lot of stuff and give me some dungeons right like all of these places every there, there's all of these like Uthgard barbarian tribe places and they all feel the same they're all like an animal imprint stuck in the earth with a you know a piece of giant mm-hmm. you know a some giant artifact buried underneath. Hey, I don't know why there are giant artifacts there, so I got to make that up. And and maybe it's in the book, but I, I read the book. Like this is the first adventure I read all the way through. 
right? Like I, I took I took it on vacation. I read it all the way through, and now I've read it. And now I'm like I can't remember anything. So I still have to go back and kind of reread stuff. But you know, there wasn't much about why the Uthgard have giant artifacts around. So I have to make that part of it up. Mm-hmm. But then the other part is like it sounds boring as hell to go around to hills and dig in the earth and find a thing. So I want dungeons. So like the very first thing I did is. Uh, you know, they want to, they, you know, they want to find a, uh, uh, the Tribor thing is you go to Tribor and Tribor is being attacked by fire giants. And I'm like, I don't want another town under attack. They just got back from a town that was under attack. So I moved the giants out and said they, they met a guy who said, hey, it turns out that the Besselmere dwarves knew a whole lot about the Astorian giants, the 30,000 year old giant mm-hmm. empire. And they apparently had artifacts from them at this old dam. And luckily, I found this kind of crappy book called Fantastic Locations that had a. <laughs> Wait, isn't that your book? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Great book. So in it, you know, I, I wrote a whole thing about his giant dwarven dam, and I said, "How about the Besselmere dwarves built this dwarven dam?" And inside are all these chambers and stuff, and one of them is a museum of the Astorian age, right? It's like you know, they, this dam hasn't really been occupied for nine hundred years, but they've got artifacts that are as old as thirty thousand years in them. And now I've got a dungeon. They can go there. It had a bunch of gnolls that were inside of it, but it was under attack by a fire giant and his guys. So the party had to figure out how to navigate through the fire giants and the gnolls and get down deep into this place. And then they get in there, and it's like, so there's a piece of this ancient fire giant war machine called the Venendod, and the piece is a pauldron, right, like a shoulder plate, oh, and, it weighs, and it weighs four tons. Hmm. How, what the hell are we going to do with this? So we actually ended the one of the adventures where like the fire giant's still trying to get in. They're in this like middle of this dungeon. They don't know what's going on or how the hell to get out. And now they got a four ton piece of metal. They got to get out of it and and get past the fire giant, right? So you know it was they, they, it was kind of a fun puzzle. I had a couple people after the game. They're both like you know we really like the idea that you you set up these situations without real good clear answers, and we got to sit and noodle through how to do it as long mm-hmm. as they're not impossible, right? Yeah, and in this that, case, that can go either way, right? I mean, I have I have that situation. I have that situation yeah. sometimes where you throw something out like that, and and rather than rise to the challenge, they're like, I don't know, we don't know what to do, we give up, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, that's a risk, right? And in this case, it wasn't really that hard. What they did is they took out their little sending stone that they got from the cloud giant ally that they have, and said, you know, hey, Zephyros, what the hell are we supposed to do with this four ton thing? And he's like, well, who's got a reduce spell? And they're like, none of us. So I have one, but I'm, you know, four days. I'll be there in four days. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to work. So he's like, well, maybe if you speak the same words I say as I say them, you can cast the spell. Now, of course, if you do it wrong, you know, who knows what the hell will happen. Mm-hmm. But if you do it right, you'll the reduce spell I make. So now and then all of a sudden fire elementals start pouring into place because the fire giant sent his minions after them. And so the group's fighting fire, min- fire elemental minions. Uh, the mage is trying to cast a spell through Ascending Stone and he has he has to roll DC 15 Arcana checks to pull it off. Mm-hmm time he fails he basically takes a face full of magic missiles right and and the, the funny bit was it was on the third one where the zephyros who's kind of a crazy cloud giant mage says oh shit i was looking at the wrong page you know that's the that's the face full of magic missiles spell you know here's the <laughs> why would you have a face full of magic missiles spell? <laughs> it's like i just keep it there for fun you know it's just kind of a funny gag you know, it's like i took 10 damage around because of your shit so um, then they reduced it, and then it, you know, snaps off the wall and falls in the water. Oh my god, we just lost it! So now they get a, <laughs> and then they get it, and then they got out to the the central part of the dam where there's these huge shoots of water that are pouring through the dam, and the fire giants on the other side are like, well, one way or another, we're jumping out of this dam. You know, <laughs> like that's the only way out. You know, we're not getting back. We don't want to fight a fire giant. We're only level five, 
and and we've got the thing, so let's go. So they all kind of came up with ways that they were able to leap out of this dam that's a uh, you know a thousand foot high mm-hmm. water chute. And uh, and then I just jumped immediately to them talking about how they managed to get through it while they were back in Tribor again. Um, so I you know all and then uh, one of the players is very familiar with the published adventure. He's like, none of that's in this adventure. Like, you know, <laughs> where did this come from? I'm like, I, you know, I made it up because the stuff that's in the adventure sucks. You know, like I didn't I, I didn't you know fire giants attacking a town and then digging at a graveyard and finding the pauldron just sounded you know yeah I don't want to say it's dumb. Well, and, and, you're, and, and you're not changing what little story is there. Right, and but but I'm, so I am I'm heavily changing it in in other ways. So the example, I'm gonna make sure Michelle can't hear you. She's playing Warcraft. So um, <laughs> uh, one of the things I'm doing is so then I offer three options. Hey, Green uh, Golden Fields is under attack by Hill Giants. Do you want to deal with that? Or there's this old former Harper who used to hang out with the Uthgard barbarians, and for some reason the Uthgard have some connection to the Giants. So maybe you could talk to him and find out what's going on there. Or three. Um, uh, one of the towns in the in the southeast, uh, we had a Harper agent who was going down there to see what the stone giants are up to, and the whole town has disappeared. We haven't heard anything from them. Go down there and figure out what's going on. And they chose the third. They said, we're going to go find out what's going on with the stone giants. And my, my little trick is in the book, there's this whole little stone giant place, and there's all these stone giants, but it was never really clear, like, what is the stone giant's motivation as part of the sundering, or not the sundering, the ordning. The ordning, mm-hmm. You know, what, what do they want? And instead, I read this really neat page. I don't even remember where I clued in, but it was in the, um, uh, it's in an old Forgotten Realms book. The, the Atlas, it's like the official Atlas of the Realms or something like that. Brian, Pat- or Brian, uh, Brian James wrote it with Ed Greenwood. The, the Atlas Grand Tour? or the, the, Grand- the Grand Tour? Grand, Grand History of the Realms. Grand History of the Realms, the, the timeline. Yep. One of the things in there is this guy called the Dodd Kong which is kind mm-hmm. of a terrible name, but Dodd-Kong is the giant version of Death King. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially a stone giant lich that lives down in this, in this Dodheim, I think it's called, the Death, the death City, right? And it's, he's in the Underdark. And the idea that you have a, a, a stone giant lich, and not only is he like, you know, 2,000 years old, but his plots have gone on for 2,000 years. And now the ordning has happened, and he's like, you know, stone giants are stupid, but I'm not, and I could be the leader of the giants, and I'll bring you know glorious mm-hmm. death to everything. So I haven't even really figured out his motivation, other than he's not he's not like the maniacal evil. He's sort of this slow the slow burn, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's that's really that's a really interesting wrinkle that I kind of feel disappointed they missed. Like, right. Well, I mean, I, that's I, an I obvious expect- Realmsian thing, and if they were more steeped in the realms instead of like I said, stuff. I, I dug it out of a book that's 15 years old, so you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody would have picked it up. But the idea, like that, suddenly brought this whole other idea. So now I'm thinking, like, there's going to be these stone giant wraiths, you know, <laughs> walking around, and they're going to see it, and, and and the other stone giants are dead. So when they go into that place where all the stone giants are kind of built into the walls, they're all going to be like twisted in agony and stabbed through the heart by mm-hmm. wraith blades, you know, because. The Dodd Kong sent his stone giants, who are all undead stone giants, and murdered all the living ones to make sure that they wouldn't try to do anything. And the party's going to figure all this out. And now the thing is, like, they're level five, maybe six. They're not exactly going to be standing up against the stone giant lich, but they're going to be able to say, like, oh my God, you know, we got to try something. And, you know, this is a big deal. You know, we got mm-hmm. a we got a big problem here. So that way there's, like, you know, this sort of sinister evil thing beyond fire giants and, and, everything else i'm actually not crazy about the hill giant thing i don't know the, the idea that like well they eat themselves to death that's their superpower you know? <laughs> not well, to death they just eat themselves they just gorge yeah, themselves till they they're huge 
Right. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing kind of turned me off. Yeah. But um, the fire giant thing is cool. The idea of a fire giant that are trying to rebuild a war machine and cloud giants who are trying to recover old magic from the Astorian age. Those are three plot seeds that I can hang on to. And I thought the ice giant um, one was okay. And, and stupid, so far away. Yeah. This is the long ways away, but it was kind of a cool story. And, and yeah. the, the storm giant stuff, like most of them are pretty all right. Giant stuff is okay too. And that, that to me is going to be the culmination of it, I think. Yeah. Right. And and one of the clues that the party figured out is, you know, all the giants are doing stuff except the stone, the storm giants. We don't know what the hell happened to them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that kind of leads into the whole plot that is the central focus. Um, uh, but I, yeah, the frost giants are probably like they're cool and all. Except is there is their main thing? We're just raiding villages. What's their what are they trying to do to become the head of the ordinate? Uh, they're looking for the ring of winter. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would be very cool. But it also seems like that would be a side thing. So I said, like, look, dwarves are handling that up north. Don't worry about that part. You know, like, just from a from a traveling around the world standpoint, mm-hmm. fire giants, st- uh, uh, fire giants, cloud giants, and undead evil stone giants, I think, are good. Three good, you know, as we as the dungeon world people say, those are the good fronts. Okay, you know, yeah, those sure. are the big storms on the kind of sweeping across the land, and the party can deal with them. But no, and, so and the, the main. I mean, ultimately, the original adventure is set up that you're really only dealing with one of them anyway, and then you go on to the, yeah, the storm giants. I, I don't do that, right? I, I wanna, it, that's another thing I don't like about the design is I feel like I'm getting 30% of the value out of the book if I ran it the way it is. Right. You know, because I'm not going to use all those stuff in Chapter 3. I'm only using one of the three places in Chapter 2, and then in Chapter 4 through 8, I'm only using one place. So it's really a weird design. And, I, you know, I, I applaud them for trying things out, you know, uh, it just feels like this is more of a campaign book than it, or like a yeah, like a setting guide. Than but it's it is. but but it's more than that. It's like it's like a it's a setting slash event guide, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just it was it was hard for me to you know. I felt like you know, Curse of Strahd and Out of the Abyss were far easier for me to run, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had to sandbox people. I still felt like I had a lot of freedom to make it my own. I made both. You know, I, I modified both of those very heavily, and and yet I felt like from week to week I had more to run with. And this one, I feel like, you know, I'm going to have to sit down and figure out this whole undead stone giant thing because, you know, well, part of it's because I decided to, right? Mm-hmm. Self-inflicted. Um, but yeah, so, so that's my, you know, there's, that's my, that's my current. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, an it, interesting conundrum. I, I mean, there's a reason that when I reviewed it, uh, my take on Storm King's Thunder was it feels really well designed. I'm, I'm interested in the weird things they did. I can see how it's going to be a problem. Uh, it's also the first storyline that they've put out since 5th edition that I just don't know that I feel like I need to run. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. the, it's not one I feel like the story didn't grab me like, it, like the other ones did. So. Yeah, and, and for me, like, I've been waiting, you know, ever since they put out the Sword Coast Adventures guide, I've been waiting for another Sword Coast adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Like one that takes place over the Sword Coast. And I don't know what the hell the difference is between the Sword Coast and the North. They feel the same to me. Um, so the idea that we now have an adventure that hits all these places and, and I was really, and then like reading all these things, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. But there's, you know, like, again, those like 130 little jaunts and some of them have all these like little detailed things. I'm like, well, you know, this guy is secretly not that guy. It's actually this guy and this, you know, here's this one, you know, and And so many of those, the players never actually find out about No one's ever going to figure that out unless you make it a central part of the story, right. you know, and and you can. So, like, I asked on Twitter, I'm, I'm kind of like crowdsourcing, like, look, of these 130, which are the 10 I should run? Right. Like, which 10 matter? <laughs> my time, even though I had extra time. Um, <laughs> but like, so everybody said Klaus, you know, every, or not Klaus, Klaus. Everybody okay. said that the 
the Clouth and Clouthvale thing is is a good one. So I I put in some seeds for that. Um, that's the the secret red ancient red dragon mage guy. Oh sure sure. And and one of the side things I have going on. Sorry, and I'll shut up and we move on. But the, um, one of the side things I have going on is that the dragons are still around. There's some of them, mm-hmm. and they're still influencing things, and they're pissed about what happened. And they have a callback all the way to the Astorian Age. So, like, one of the characters currently has a wand of lightning that was actually a wand held by an ancient blue dragon sorcerer who is, like, the great-great-grandmother of the blue dragon in the adventure. Mm-hmm. So Sam, you had something you wanted to say, and I interrupted you. No, keep... Uh, go ahead and okay. then I'll pick up the... It's it's really interesting because uh, Mike and I flipped uh, our <laughs> modus operandi this time because normally I get the book and I read it cover to cover. Um, and for Storm King's Thunder, I didn't do that because I, I was really short on time. So I sort of piecemealed it and I, and I looked at the flow and then I browsed and I read it sort of different areas at different times. And, uh, and Mike read this one all the way through. So that's, that's pretty funny so, that yeah. that happened like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, so you can start my time because I'm gonna I'm gonna move. Well, before you do, my... before you start your time, All it's right. time to, mo- yeah, it's time to mention app. our sponsor, uh, Noble Knight Games is back. This is our first recording since they've since they've returned. So Noble Knight is our sponsor this month and for the next few months. Uh, they're a brick and mortar game store who also have an online store. They specialize in finding uh, long out of print products, and in fact, my pick for this episode is. The Silver Anniversary Edition of White Plume Mountain. Have either of you ever run White Plume Mountain? I have. I've run of it a course. few times. Yeah, so I have never run White Plume Mountain. Tell me You're about missing it. Missing out. Uh, Sam, you go ahead. I've talked like for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, White Plume Mountain is this uh, is this mountain with dungeons in it that are full of traps and contain three fantastic weapon artifacts mm. uh, that are difficult to get but not necessarily because the creatures are tough but because uh it's tricksy um Uh and not in a tomb of horrors it's killing you just to kill you way of being tricksy but in a ooh, if you're if you're smart and you pay attention you might be able to puzzle this one out and triumph really easily or with a lot of challenge but either way you might triumph okay so it's puzzly the, there's an interesting history to it, which is mm-hmm. that it, it was part of a contest that they. I think. I think I'm getting this right. This was written by Lawrence Schick, and yes. he wrote it and he sent it in to right. Gary Gygax, and he was trying to just, you know, say, "Hey, I've got this, these ideas, and and I'm I'm you know looking for." At the time, I don't think it was freelance work, but basically that's what it was, uh, and. Gygax liked it so much. He said, "Hey, do you want a job? <laughs> let's, yeah, let's publish this." It was, it was this. a real like fun house adventure. But yeah. the guy, it was one of these where it was like, you know, some sometimes, and you get this with novels too. Like when it's their first passion and they've been working mm-hmm. on it for a long time, it's different than if they were a factory hammering these things out. Mm-hmm. And this one was really like, you know, it's got that that crazy floating river. It's got all this like neat stuff in it that really makes you know. Yeah. I mean, it is like the fun house dungeon. Yeah. Cool, um, and, and it's it's. it's it's got it's... Wave, the, the trident, yeah. in it, and it's uh, yeah, got yeah. Black Razor, the sword. Yeah, and... uh-huh. yeah. Some, some major artifacts, yeah. And it's one of the ones that they uh, announced in the recently announced uh, what, uh, Tales of the Yawning Portal um, right. collection. Yep. I think yep. they were gonna yep. re- they're going to release a 5th edition update to it. But if you want the original 16-page booklet in the original 1st edition rules, uh, the Silver Anniversary Edition was published in 1999, has been out of print for a very long time since then, and but Noble Knight has 
copies available for $24, which isn't too bad for something that's that old. So go check them out and let them know that the Tome Show sent you. Hello, I'm RPG podcasting celebrity James Intracasso. As you know, my life is awesome. My gaming collection is filled with out-of-print goodies no one else can seem to get their hands on. I have plenty of free time to record podcasts, write blog posts, play games, and hunt the most dangerous game. I have tons of extra cash, which is evident in my caviar-filled swimming pool for the guest house of my third home in the Swiss Alps. And my mother is proud of me because I managed to do all this while supporting small businesses. My secret? Noblenight.com, a brick-and-mortar game store that has a great online presence. So I feel good shopping there, but I can buy anything, anytime, just by walking to my computer. I don't even need to put on my gold-plated pants. At Noble Knight, they have new and out-of-print products at a discounted price to give me more cash for reckless celebrity activities like bear shaving. And Noble Knight will buy back the old products I'm not using anymore which funds my tiger shaving. So, if you want more money, more free time, a better game collection, and a better you, check out noblenight.com, where out of print is available again. And tell them Big Jimmy from the Tome Show sent you. All right, now, Sam, I will start your time, and we can hear about your (laughs) game. Go. Uh, Well, what I was going to say was... uh... So my Numenera game has come to an end. So let me spend just a couple minutes telling you uh, what happened in the last session, and then I'll move on to what I'm going to talk about next. Are you giving a uh, closure or a eulogy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How did it end? Was it was it a, um, a good ending, or so, did it just fall apart? So at in the in the last episode of Behind the DM Screen, I talked about how the PCs, this, the party had discovered that this girl, this little girl that they uh, that they were protecting by this time, they were discovering that she has some real honest to goodness powers, and they didn't know if she had these powers because the order of truth was infusing the powers into her, or if she came by it naturally and the order of truth was trying to figure out how she's so powerful, but so young. Um. So I'll try to make this as short as possible. Basically, they fall. They the the family goes to to take her to what what she called going to school, which turns out to be uh, the Amber Monolith uh, up in the northern part of the Steadfast. And they follow the the family caravan up there to a, a few miles or a, you know a few hours away from from their home to a sort of portal location, and they all travel to where the amber monolith is and it's a really cool scene where the amber monolith is and it was really awesome they got to sort of i got to describe like the the hum this humongous monolith and the sweeping like weird deserty area and crystal structures all over and all these really cool things and then they were told by these these amber order of truth acolytes to to get off of the platform because there was going to be another group coming in and this group uh, sort of portaled in or teleported in and they they had this uh this young man on a gurney and as they stepped off the platform they started carrying him toward the amber monolith and he kind of woke up and started yelling you know no don't do this or something like that anyway the group had to rescue him so the group rescued him 
And he was actually one of the players who hadn't been able to attend the previous sessions. So that was the way his character got introduced. So they rescued him. They rescued the little girl. They went back to uh, the town. On the way back, they they uh, negotiated with the different these different creatures uh, on the path outside of town, and they they sort of set them up uh, to believe that the the priests or the acolytes that were following this group, because they knew they would be they were going to be followed. Uh, were bad guys and so they they sort of set up this this really sort of trap and ambush for for the bad guys and uh, they get back to town and they're they're met at the gates of town by one of their contacts who they had decided not to trust who told them that the um the imperial guard basically were looking for them in conjunction with this murdered woman who they had investigated last time who they really don't have anything to do with but because they were seen in and around her house uh they're they're being looked for because of course then they they left town so it looks really suspicious so they had to spend some time stealthing around town they met a couple of new contacts they um they they got the little girl back to her house and um, they found her father, who they really don't know if it's her father. He has he's close to death. They found the person who was acting as her father. Um, he's been attacked, and they have her her person, the person who's acting as her mother, who is in this sort of comatose state. But she's been in that comatose state since the little girl last went to the Amber Monolith. So there's all this weird stuff going on. Um, and it ended kind of on a cliffhanger where uh, it, the little girl basically tells them, um, that person that you think is my dad is an imposter. That's not really him. And, you know, they ask, well, who, you know, who beat him up or whatever? And she says, well, I, I attacked him because he was trying to harm me. Um, and they search all over the property and they, they don't find anything. Um, and then my group imploded. Hmm. So <laughs> there, uh, there was no real resolution to, I mean, they did some more things. They went around, they found some contacts, they got a lot more information. Everything was just really weird. Um, and there was probably one more session left in the game. But uh, I don't think it's ever going to get played. Mm. So, so, it's so too bad. it just imploded in, in that the story fell apart. They lost the thread, or they the players lost interest. Uh, it it imploded in terms of uh, personal issues between players in real life and uh -huh. some scheduling issues. All culminated in um, it just never quite came back together. In in uh, yeah, this game not being run now since uh, since late October. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah so because there's as I said, there's about one more session left in it, uh, and they were they were so close to figuring out and at least finding uh, finding out what was going on, uh, and and then deciding what to do about it, and then the game could have continued on if they wanted to follow some other leads, or it could have ended, but in a more sort of uh, way that actually felt like a little bit of closure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sad, sad things. Uh, a, a great example of a good campaign that just can't withstand um, real world strife. The, yeah, the players. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so so which, have you been, which, have you put together a group sense? Well, so I'm working on it, but uh, what I want to do is uh, work on what game I want to run and what pitch I'm going to have. So oh, okay. uh, I, 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 I think I'm going to swing back around uh, to, to D&D 5th edition, and so I'm figuring out what to run. Uh, so, so Mike talking about Storm King's Thunder is very timely for me because it was one of the things I was considering because, and this is in contrast to what Jeff was saying earlier, when I heard the story, I was really intrigued by, ooh, you know, the story sounds kind of interesting. There's all these different, you know, uh, giant factions fighting each other because the ordning has been busted. And, you know, like what kind of weird, cool things are going to be going on, you know, to, to wrap that story up and to make that whole thing happen. And I was really intrigued, like, ooh, this mm-hmm. could be cool. Uh, and then I, you know, read a little bit of it and it was just kind of like, okay, well it fell a little flat for me. Yeah. It's not actually that thing that you just described. Right. Exactly. And so (laughs) So. I, I I was like, well, gee, I don't know what to run now because I was really excited about sort of digging into that. And then, you know, but on the other hand, I was like, well, maybe it's just me because I didn't read it cover to cover. Like I normally do. Maybe that's why I'm not getting a good feel for it. But, um, apparently, uh, based on what you guys are saying, it's that I actually do have a kind of a good feel of it because it's not really what I wanted it to well, be. Well, and, and it's well designed and, it's, and it does have cool things going on and cool locations and there's a lot of things I want to rip out of it and put into a, right. an actual story. So, right. But the, yeah, the part I mean, of the part of the problem is I don't play in the Forgotten Realms, so yeah. <laughs> I, I transport everything to different a different place, which means if it's kind of like a setting guide where some stuff happens in some places, it doesn't. Yeah, like in really, some ways that's good and in some ways it's not. I would I would say if 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 it were me and I was not running it in the realms, the only thing that I would really get out of it is the um the 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 dungeon the giant layers at the mm-hmm. end. You know, like it's got a, a you know, five, I think five, right? One for each Maybe, giant. One yeah. for each giant and it's got the Temple of the Allfather and it's got the Storm Giant thing. Yeah. Um But that's the those, locations I'm talking about that are kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and then, so and I'm, I bet I've been bashing the hell out of it for a half hour, and I haven't <laughs> I haven't done those parts yet. Right, right, and and I'm going to run more than one of them. So you know, I'm hoping that I'm going to get a lot more out of the latter half than the, than I did in the former half. Or unlike out of the abyss, where I never even saw the latter half. I only did the former half, and I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I think I mean you know again it's like you know if you, if you pay fifty bucks at an FLGS or you pay twenty nine you know whatever it is twenty nine bucks on Amazon. And and what you get is these you know seven really well made really nicely done stocked five e dungeons. But that's right. you know yeah you can use yeah. those for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I generally like don't run nice, you know. Yeah, I mean I generally don't run things, you know. As I, I always adjust everything yeah, anyway. You right. know, it's it's more about mining ideas for me. Yeah. Um, and the and with these larger campaigns, this has sort of been on topic, you know, over the past few days. With these larger campaigns, there's a lot of stuff to mine, but there's also a lot that gets left behind. Mm. Um, I, th- I think the meat of the adventure is like halfway into it. Yeah. And and to me, the like the thing I do like about it is, and I, I this is the pitch you talked about the pitch you wanted to give your players. Yeah. And, the pitch I gave my players is this is Rick Steves' guide to the Sword Coast, right? Is you know this is going to be our vacation, <laughs> you know? right. our vacation in the Sword Coast because I love the I love the realms and I love and and I love the I love the Sword Coast in general. I just there's so much good material for it um, that I wanted this to be our way to explore the you know that whole area. And if I wasn't if I didn't have that, I don't know that I would like this even as much as I do, which is already questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my then my question becomes, what else do I run? So here's what I'm thinking of, you know, or here's what I'm thinking about. 
you know, I love the starter set adventure because I can basically put that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very well done. And uh, I don't really want to do Curse of Strahd because I didn't, I don't, uh, I don't want to do the sort of horror Taroka deck, you know, Strahd von Zarevich thing right now. Um, I have the Middle Earth guide, but I don't really want to do Middle Earth because as I, you know, I don't, I just don't want to do that right now. Um, so it's what, like, what about so, the events? Well, I, I, yes and no. Um, I, I don't, I don't know the, what the group is going to be like that I'm going to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know that I want to run a mostly underdark campaign. Yeah. You, you better, you better love that idea if you want to run yeah. that yeah yeah and uh, the thing is i think out of the abyss is a really well done product um so eventually i'll probably run it um at least part of it so and that that's just keep sticking with the watts but what about princes have you looked at that one prince of the apocalypse yeah i i have princes gives you you something a little more straightforward right because it's 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 largely go fight evil cultists and find them in big dungeons sort of thing right and it's it's a yeah. pretty straightforward it's it, it couldn't be and yeah and I, I use the term generic in a good way but like a really good generic D thing yeah. it's like mm-hmm. yeah. it's a set region you could you could easily mm-hmm. transport it to another place um yeah. lots of lots of good deep dungeons you know it can go off and i think it goes like level 14 right it's real high yeah yeah it so it's on the table and and fandolin's on the table and then you know Fandelver. yeah Fandelver's i mean fandelver uh Fandelver's and then i was um oh and you can fandelver was, into one of these others too they, yeah they, they flow I, pretty well I, I was considering actually converting something like uh madness at gardmore abbey sure yeah so um, i like madness uh, and actually after we did the playtest, but before 5e came out we would, did one last jaunt back into fourth edition and did that gardmore mm-hmm. abbey run uh, and so G- Gardmore Abbey was fun. Um, I would also, like, they've re-released a lot of um, products and adventures and things that I thought were pretty darn good from, like, the third edition and second edition days um, that are, I think, worth looking at. Like, I was really excited to see um, that they released, uh, was it City of the Spider Queen? Yeah. Um, yeah, I ran that a long time ago. Which I, I like I owned it and and yeah. like was really gearing up to actually, run it and actually then had the original, yeah. Oh I did. I and I had no idea where it is, so I've been looking for it for like a year now because I was like, oh when I was planning my current campaign, that was the I was thinking about doing that instead. Um and then I just couldn't find the book and it wasn't available to buy on PDF and so now it is. So I bought it and so it's like sweet, now I have this for next time I want to run something. So so mm. I mean but you could pull something like that or or pull out the, the you know, uh you know, the, the return to the tomb of horrors or part you know. part of my part of my problem is I have so many <laughs> I mean, this sounds stupid, but it's true. I I have a ton of Pathfinder Adventure Paths, which by the way work really well in fifth mm-hmm. edition. I have a ton of Castles and Crusades adventures. I have a ton of first edition D and D. I have a ton of basic. I have a ton of uh, of fourth edition stuff. I have mm-hmm. a ton of of, of 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 third edition stuff. I have the major you know adventure path sort of that they did for third edition that started with the uh, with the Sunless Citadel, mm-hmm. and um, you know and there's so many good things in a lot of those and i'm just sort of like i it's this it's happens to decision me time i end up yeah I, i'm <laughs> like i don't i don't even know which direction i want to go mm-hmm. you know and uh and yeah I, I mean it's a happy place to be in right it's a good it's a good thing to have an abundance of of stuff do you um, already have do you already have a group or do you want to have no. your pitch before you have your group i want to have like three pitches set uh-huh. up so that i can present them Okay. I've been making contacts with some people, so I kind of think I'm, you know, 
when You're I'm going to have my group together and all that. But but I want to have like two or three solid pitches to say, okay, here's here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think about these? And then if there's a strong direction towards one, I'll that that'll be the one that I that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so how soon are you looking? To, oh, to, not for a couple months. So you've got you've got time. I've got a couple months. Yeah, because I want to give myself time to set the whole thing up. To really, you know, yeah. Because I'm trying to think. Because there's there are some things that are upcoming, but I don't know if anything will be ready in a couple of months. I know there was a there was a Kickstarter that I backed that's doing like um, a, a more of a, a space D and D sort of thing. Um, and then uh, it was actually just semi-announced that uh, Kobold is going to put out a, a Midgard for 5th edition Kickstarter mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that's going to be one of their big things, which will include not only the campaign guide for 5th edition, but then uh, a series of adventures. But I'm, I'm certain that wouldn't be ready for you in time. Um, yeah. They have that. Really... I mean, if you short things, they have that Book of yeah. Lairs. Yeah, I have the Book of Lairs. Um and I have the Toma Beast, so mm-hmm. I could always I could always do something there. I also there's this really great sort of OSR uh, product called Maze of the Blue Medusa, which is a fantastic sort of uh, mm-hmm. dungeon crawly, really interesting product. It's artistically interesting and design wise interesting mm-hmm. uh, that I've been playing around with. But um, I don't know if I want to go that direction yeah, with, think a, of, with a like- newer group, you know. I've ha- I have half a dozen ideas running through my head, and I just can't quite form any of them to so- <laughs> solid enough to, to bring them up. Do you have uh, was it Dragon Mountain? I remember that one being a lot of fun. Um, I used to have that. I don't box. have that anymore. Yeah, that had a lot of uh, it had a lot of good things about it, but it was very um, uh, grindy when it comes down to it. Same thing with Temple of Elemental Evil, the original one. I have that too, but it mm. gets very grindy because of the of the design well, aesthetic at the time. Well, we've we've kind of already had two of the three DMs on this show do return to the Temple of Elemental Evil. You're mm-hmm. the only one that's left out. You should totally pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> You've already heard yeah. plenty of just for consistency. About it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure our listeners. <laughs> no, I, no, I, modded, I modded the hell out of that that's one true, too because that yeah. one's like, hey, room 376. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh. oh my god really yeah. big so anyway that's what i'm so I'm, I'm still thinking about stuff so if uh, if you have ideas or well, any like listeners have ideas you know <laughs> so, yeah i got a couple months so you know yeah, so people shoot should, me an should, email or sh- yeah so, so people should <laughs> should tweet you at uh at dm samuel yes uh, or they can email me at the the tome show at gmail.com and i will forward that on to sam and we will uh, yeah we'll pass that on Perfect. Uh, you, you know another great way of getting a, getting a hold of me uh when it comes to podcast stuff 919 Biz Tome. That's one way. Also, we have a Patreon page. Did you know that? I did know that. If, if you go to patreon.com slash the Tome Show, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, uh, you could be like... <laughs> <laughs> I might I'll, that right. I'll double check. I have it in front of me. I'll just got to click a link. But you'll be like uh, Doug Palmer and Mark and John Green, all people who support the show and are patrons of the show over at patreon.com. And I'll click on the link right now to see... Make sure I have the address right. Uh, yep, patreon.com slash the tome show. Uh, and so you could be like them and you could support the show. And the, what I've, I, for a while, I wasn't sure exactly how to use it. And I was like posting every time there was a new episode. And then it was pointed out to me that, yeah, we're all listeners of the show. We already subscribed to the feed. We don't need you to tell us when there's a new episode. 
Um, so instead, I'm using it as a place to sort of solicit feedback and say, hey, this is this. these are the episodes we're going to be recording in the next month, or we're kind of thinking about these things. Which one would you guys prefer? And so I'm trying to give the, the patrons not only a, a heads up of, of what's going on, but also an opportunity to sort of uh, guide where we go and what we talk about and that kind of stuff and, and, and when there's options to explore. So, um, you know, if people wanted to check it out, patreon.com slash the Tome Show. There you go. So that's that. Now it's my turn. Your turn. My turn. 15 minutes on the clock. Okay, so I am, uh, just a reminder to the listeners, I am running my post-apocalyptic fantasy Earth uh, mashup campaign, which is mashed up uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, Out of the Abyss, The Rod of Seven Parts, and then some homebrew stuff to sort of act as connective tissue and bring in some player elements that wouldn't otherwise be covered. Um, so, so that's where we're at. Uh, we are pretty heavily right now into a Princes of the Apocalypse section. We kind of flow from one story to the other as the, as the large, larger meta story sort of in, encompasses them all. So we are in a uh, the Princes of the Apocalypse, like I said. Um, they had previously finally gotten the last of the keys and were able to go into the Earth Temple. They are searching for the Dwarven Delegation still. That's been like their driving goal since level one. Um, and so finally they're into the, the Earth Temple, the Temple of, what is it, the Temple of Black Earth. Um, it, hunting for the prisoners, uh, the Dwarven Delegation prisoners, which they need to get soon. They're on a time clock because those uh, they've been called to serve as um, ambassadors, I guess, to a council at Gontelgrim dealing with Out of the Abyss stuff. And boy, wouldn't it be embarrassing if we lost your Dwarven embassy when we went to the Dwarven homeland. <laughs> so, so they need to hurry up and find these prisoners and get them um, back to Gontelgrim in time for that so as there's not a diplomatic issue there. Uh, and so having gone into the um, the Temple of Black Earth, they, they've fairly successfully navigated their way through it um, and, and navigated some of the more sticky political things. And what, although they do have an issue, a, a tendency of, hey, here's this weird sticky political thing where there's an, uh, an opportunity to like turn the the NPCs against each other sort of thing. Um, and instead they're like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then, you know, stab. <laughs> so they don't – like they'll role play with those people but then quickly decide, yeah, they're the bad guy. We're taking them down. Um, that said, they – about halfway through the temple uh, kind of stumbled onto the big bad guy. The, the – what is it? The prophet of earth. Um, was it Malros? Is that his name? Malros Urnrail. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he who's a Medusa. Um, who who has the the what is it? The, yeah, right. The He's got pick. A pick. Yeah. So they ran into him, and um, with relatively few casualties, managed to defeat him. Uh, I did drop the ball pretty significantly because um, he's supposed to have a shadow demon with him, and I kind of just completely spaced that off and forgot that he had a shadow demon with him. Yeah. Uh, so they fought him one-on-one. -on -one, and I even had this other thing where I'm, I always try – the way I plan out my sessions is I try to find some way to re at least remind them of every storyline in each session. Uh, mm -hmm. And so my reminder of the Out of the Abyss storyline was there's going – there is somewhere in the Earth Temple a shadow demon running around from the Out of the Abyss storyline – 
um, just causing chaos and, and creating havoc. Um, so I thought that would be super confusing to them if there were suddenly, hey, here's Malros and his Shatter Demon, and oh my gosh, another Shatter Demon, and weird, that's not just attacking us, you know, and mm-hmm. just throw a little wrinkle into the whole thing. But uh, I dropped that ball, and the Shatter Demon never showed up, so maybe it was off running a mission, and it'll cause problems <laughs> later on. Uh, so, so who knows? That was all happened. part of your dastardly that plan from the beginning. That was all part of my dastardly plan, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I've also run into the... Um, uh, and part of what I think I wasn't quite in my perfect frame of mind for gaming because we added a new player um, in the last session or two, and so I'm I'm still getting to know our new guy a little bit. Um, we've had one player sort of phase out over the last year or so, um, who I'm always hopeful will come back, but but uh, you know we'll see. Uh, but in the meantime, we were getting small enough that if if you know if one person had a sniffle, we had to cancel the game for a week. Yeah. Um, so we were trying to grow by a, a person or two, and we found this one person through somebody else's work. Actually, he put out a, a, a an email to like a work listserv, um, and we had three people say, "Hey, we're interested," and this guy seemed cool, and the other two were like, "You seem like you're right out of college, and I don't know how I feel about inviting you over to my home with my kids." Hmm. Um, so we're still, I'm still trying to figure out like, how do we do a meet and greet and get to know each other a little bit before I, I invite them to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's a possibility that, that we'll have up to two more players in addition to the one we've already added. That's a really, you know, some, sometime we ought to have a topic on how best to find players. Cause I think well, of all of the, of all of the trials of D and D that to me seems the hardest. I have been having this conversation on this show for about two years of yeah, us trying right. to find new players and nothing ever came about uh, until, uh, Andy, who, you know, cause he, he filled in for yep. me for a while. Andy put an email out. He works at Red Hat. So there's lots of geeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so he put an email out cause he's like, Oh yeah, there's always people like on this listserv forming groups. I suppose I just never thought about sending an email out saying, Hey, we, we got a couple spots open. Yeah. So so he did, and, yeah. and we found at least one player who's been back two times now so, and, and has RSVP'd for the next game next weekend. So um, hopefully that all continues and pans out and whatever. But in any case, I wasn't exactly on my game because I'm still getting used to the new group dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that might have been why – at least that's the excuse I'm going to give for why I forgot my Shadow Demons. <laughs> I also have the issue Did the battle of, go well anyway, or did they just kind of kick his ass? Um, no, he held his own pretty well. Um, I mean, nobody died, but there were certainly there were certainly some risks to, uh, they were of petrification, worried. and there was poisonings going on, and they were definitely uh, freaked out about some things. That's the main thing. I mean, the main thing is like if they're fighting a boss, and it's supposed to be a boss fight. Like you know, a typical one. Then are they? If they're worried, then it's fine. <laughs> yeah, else. yeah, yeah. I don't know that. Like, if I look at it at a meta level, I don't know that they were ever actually at risk. Yeah. But they felt worried, so that's fine. That's that's close enough to me. That's what counts. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what's important. Yeah, and they're also a bit now. And now they're they're still worried because they've defeated him, and he turns into like this puddle of mud when you defeat him. Yeah. Um, but like this weird crazy pick thing is still there and mm-hmm. it's it's all intricate and it's sort of this legendary uh weapon of elemental earth and they cast they took the time to cast identify on it and it's like oh well i'm not going to give you everything 
for it, right? But but you know, generally it, it's you know it's this plus of a weapon and it does these things or whatever. But then it was a uh, oh, and if with time you can attune yourself to it and you you draw a closer learn. connection. Yeah, you to learn it, more. To, yeah, you draw a closer connection to the plane of elemental earth, and you can you can even use it to to contact the plane and summon uh, great creatures from there and what have you know because it's used it's used in summoning um, um, ogre mock. Right? It comes with a free assassin's guild that hunts you down. Right. <laughs> but, but, so meanwhile, like they've, they've learned all this Some stuff about it. Some see that as a bug, but I see it as a feature. Right, right. It's totally yeah, a feature. You, you, you got the attention of a lich. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, but, but yeah, so anyway, they, they've got the item. Um, they've identified the item, and that's sort of where we left off the last game of uh, – Okay, so there's that pick, and it does some weird stuff, and we have we've been told nothing negative about it, but nobody wants to mess with it. Right? So on one hand, that's them being smart players. On the other hand, that's no fun. Like you yeah, know, part a little the, too cautious. Yeah, yeah, part of the fun is you know you pick up the the killer artifact and and then deal with the yeah. consequences. So I'm dealing with that, and then they still need to, to to explore the rest of the the temple in order to find um, the prisoners. I don't think I have to be worried this time of them going further down um, because they have a set goal. Like they've only been doing anything in this storyline because they're trying to get the dwarven delegation. So once they find the prisoners on this level, I think they'll just skedaddle. I don't think I have to worry. You know, unlike when before when they were in the Sacred Stone Monastery, I had to put up sort of the magical gate because I didn't want them to go after the dwarves early and get just slaughtered. Um, so this time I don't think I have to put a gate to stop them from going further down because they don't have any interest in going further down. They'll get the prisoners, they'll get out, and then they got to get them to, Gaunt- uh, to Gauntelgrim so that we can switch gears over into the, out of the abyss for a little while. Uh, meanwhile, constantly sp- sprinkling in the, um, the Rod of Seven Parts. The next part that they're supposed to find is... Um, being used as a hairpin by a female fire giant who <laughs> is in the mountains uh, having been invited by some cloud giants who are trying to set up – like the cloud giants are setting up their their son with the fire giant's daughter or something like that. Like they're trying to do an arranged marriage to, to solidify an alliance. Um, but meanwhile – they're constantly being attacked by the spider fiends uh, sent by the Queen of Chaos that are you know, out there hunting down the, the Rod of Seven Parts pieces that the players are also constantly getting attacked by. Uh, and so I'm going to have that cloud giant place be pretty darn close to Gauntelgrim because it's supposed to be in the mountains. And Gauntelgrim we put in the Rockies. So, um, so they're all in the mountains, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once they get that close, the, the people who have the pieces of the rod right now will, will suddenly get that real strong pull of, oh, there's the next one. We should, we should go after it, right? Go get the next one. So, uh, and that, that's an interesting thing too because originally like the rod of seven parts is really the primary goal of one player. But once that he found the second part, he had to give it to another player. So he doesn't even feel the pull to the third part. It's the other player who feels the, the pull to the third part. Uh, because the each part of the rod only directs you to the next largest part of the rod. Mm-hmm. So so it, now suddenly it, it's going to become somebody else's goal. Uh, and they have to keep them separate because if you if they get too close to each other, um, they teleport away. In, unless you conduct a very specific ritual that they don't have the, the means or, or supplies to, to conduct yet. To put them back together. Because... 
the rod of seven parts is a, is a artifact of law, but it's been tainted by the blood of chaos because it was used to kill what's his name, Whisk, Miska the wolf spider, who's right sort of the the Therizdun of Greyhawk. Although I suppose Therizdun is the Therizdun of Greyhawk, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're both sort of these ancient chaos creatures that all the gods had to band together to to lock up. Right, which is why I'm using them all to be, as being the exact same thing, right? That's why mm-hmm. Out of the Abyss and, and the Rod of Seven Parts and all that kind of stuff can go together because it's all about this ancient right. creature of chaos. So, so anyway, that's where I'm at. I haven't played in a month, so we don't. I don't have a ton um, going on, right? They they since then they've explored the dungeon and they killed some things. Mm-hmm. So that's unless, good fun. Unless you've got some yeah. ideas about how to get them to explore and play around a little bit more with that pick. Well, uh, do you punish them when they when they do? So, so I, I don't know that. You know, I I I've been lucky. My my group has been playing now. Like you know, some of the people that are at the table have been here like ten years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they they regularly do kind of brash things, knowing they're they're very smart, right? Everybody at that table is really really bright, and and yet they do brash things because they know that the pacing matters, right? And they know that that kind of pushes the story. And I won't push them. So if they're like, yeah, we're leaping out of that dwarven dam and we know it's a thousand feet and we'll you know that's a problem for six seconds from now right like you know what what to do once we've jumped we'll figure that out right now i'm getting hit in the head by rocks being thrown by a fire giant that's my current problem so so they kind of go with the flow and Mm -hmm. and my thought is like the more that i can reward well it's a good it's a good thing they went with harpers right for their agency because or for their faction because that's totally a harper way to behave yeah, right, right, and and I don't, you know, I don't know that they picked all that up, but you know, they that they they often. You know, I've got one player in particular who like regularly will go do, you know, like I go screw with the books, you know, like I, you know, I know we're not supposed to touch those forbidden books, but I'm going over there and screwing. I'm going to read some, <laughs> and you know, and and the key is not to like screw them over choices like yeah, that. like no, it's absolutely. easy it's easy to have like the shit blows up every time they pick up the wrong thing, but the opposite is you get the super careful players who are playing smart. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but but everything is a chore, right? Because you know you got to convince it, and and I think I don't know. The only way that I've really done it is to make it clear, like you know, you can tell, and I'm not going to lie to you that you know you're not. This weapon does not is not any immediate danger. There may right. be secrets about it you don't understand, but picking it up and hitting a New York in the head is not going to kill you, right? You know, Mike, there was a piece of advice that you gave for. Um, for fourth edition D and D that I use as part of my philosophy of playing any game now or of running any game now that actually speaks almost directly to that, or at least in my brain, it relates to it. And that advice was be kind to them at heroic tier, yeah, be, right. fa- be fair at Paragon and be a bastard at Epic, right? <laughs> no. So yeah, when they're yeah. when they're relatively weak and low level, you be very kind to them. You let the things they do pay off big and not have very many penalties. When they're sort of mid level or, or upper mid level and they're pretty powerful, you're fair, but you're not you're not, you know, you're not full of penalties. When they're really super powerful, that's when you can start penalizing them mm-hmm. for their rashness because then the stakes are higher. Uh, but they can handle it better, you know. And here's the thing, though, right? And and everybody kind of, you know, this is sort of what happens. A lot of games stay down in those lower levels and and rarely get to like the the times when they're really super powerful. So you end up running most of your, at least I do, run most of my campaign in the mode of be nice to them, and it actually 
leads right back to what you're saying. It makes it so that they're more willing to go take those chances every once in a while, right? Of of I'm going to go take that that Necronomicon off the shelf and I'm going to open mm-hmm. it up and look at it, you know, or I'm going yeah, to I'm going right. to try to climb up that dra- that you know that giant and take the hairpin right out of her hair, you know, yeah. that kind of crazy ass stuff. Yeah, but I, would, I, would, it, I wouldn't want to knock the crazy ass stuff even when they're high level, though, right? Well, yeah, you know, I, that's not but, what I mean. But I just but mean in be, terms you know, of right, the risk know, they, should still be higher. Yeah. Right, the, the 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 damage or the the sort of fallout from the the risks that they're taking is bigger at bigger mm-hmm. levels, right? It's commensurate with their power level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't mean to suddenly penalize them. I just mean I, what I'm saying is what ends up happening is I run between levels one to ten most most of all with pretty much everything it rarely goes higher uh so i end up being nice the nice gm <laughs> most of <laughs> for the, the time, majority yeah. of the campaign well, and, that's and that actually too. it leads to them doing more fun stuff which is great i mean i think it's an excellent thing yeah i think that's tricky too because like when it comes to to taking risks like picking up the crazy thing or doing something insane you know the, then the rule of cool should rule right uh, mm-hmm. And and let him do the cool thing and let, and don't penalize him for doing it. On the other hand, um, there's balance issues I think in fifth edition D and D where if I want to yeah. challenge them in an encounter, if I don't want every every fight to be a cakewalk, um, then then I I have to not be super nice to them all the time, right? Because because there there is a tendency for encounters to be easier more often than they're hard. Mm-hmm. And in, that's in been which? true. That's been true since fourth edition. Yeah, it's still true now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, the, the, yeah. The weird, the weird thing, and that's just, like an issue with you know an issue, but you know my opinion, right? That the idea that level one is the most deadly, hardest level in D anD D has always bothered me, mm. and it particularly bothers me when you're trying to bring new people into the game. Sure. You know that, like, you know, why should level one be the absolute deadliest level? It's the reason that my my new official house rule, and I'll cheat at 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 at. Um, at uh, uh, LFR games, uh, not LFR. What do we call it these days? Adventures League. You know, I'll cheat at Adventures League games with this. That I don't kill people for massive damage. Hmm. You know, I don't care how you know you you drop to zero on a hit, and you can still have three death saves. But I'm not doing like the oh, you know, bad crit, your guy's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, especially at level one, and it's way more likely at level one than any other level. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes, and that, and it gets consistently gets better until later on. You never have to worry about it. red dragons are breathing on you, and you're not going to die. You're just going to be knocked out. Um, and and yeah, it's always bugged me that 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 scale, and that's why you know. I'm, thank you for bringing it up. Like, you had me on the edge of my seat wondering which piece of advice was actually that worthwhile. Um, <laughs> but, but that well, because is, if you, if you, if you, yeah. if you pull back from that, it, it becomes applicable to pretty much any game I run, at least in my brain. That right. Works, right. So. And, and particularly, you know, I, I just think it's a, you know, we don't want to punish low level player, low level right. characters. And we certainly don't want to punish new players. Not in this age. Like, there's a lot of grognards who are going to talk about the importance of making sure things are hard. And there's a bunch of, like, Dark Souls 3 people who want to make sure that no one else can play video games. But, you know, the, to me, it's like, you know, the reality is these days we are a lot more loss-averse than we, than we were, it feels right. like. And, and, you know, people just want to go and have a good story. And they can still have a challenge and still be scared and not, you know, make them go wait in the car while everyone else is having a good time. Sorry, rant. Mm-hmm. Well, good. No, I, I I agree, and I think that's exactly why that advice is so good. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank, 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 making my head even bigger. Yeah, that's what he needs. <laughs> but I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. You're gonna I'm need sure a bigger hat to cover You're that right, head. Yeah, your uh, wife already, probably appreciates it every time you run a I game. Will. I'll mention it to her, and I'll get yeah. the eye roll. Yeah. <laughs>
And now she's going to listen to this and also I roll again. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've All got right. some, some good discussions in there tonight. Uh, we are at uh, recording a little bit over an hour now, so I think it's time to wrap it up. Somehow 15 minutes times three equals an hour and five minutes. Yeah. I wonder how that happened. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Because part of the interest of talking about our games is getting feedback and suggestions and asking uh-huh. questions. I mean, that, honestly. Yeah, that and I have a big mouth. Well, and we all go over and we all like to chit-chat about things. Yeah. And that's why I give. That's why I, I think 15 minutes is just about perfect. Yeah, and, right. Because we'll, right. we'll all yeah. go over and it'll end up being about an hour. So in yep. any case, for all of you out there listening, uh, we're going to wrap it up to, uh, for now, and we'll be back next month, and uh, I think that's the end. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>